You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. If you could just close your eyes if they're not closed already. These Sundays in December are all about pausing, stopping, to reflect, to remember, to worship, but really to pause in God's presence and say, here I am. Lord, here I am. I'm here for you. You have my life. You're the Lord of my life. I don't understand what's going on in my life, but you hold it all together and I can trust your promises. The song says, you, you're all together lovely. All together lovely. How in your life this past week has the Lord been reminding you and showing you his love, his unconditional love to embrace you with a heavenly, unconditional, loving embrace? Where do you need his love right now to pierce through, to break through, to over? come you just receive his love song also says you're all together worthy just take a moment and acknowledge God's worthiness it's not based on circumstances it's not based on what's going on in our world it's not based on how we feel he is worthy period He is worthy of all honor. He is worthy of all glory. All dominion is his. All nations he rules. His kingdom shall reign forevermore. He is worthy. He's sovereign. He is holy. He is righteous. He is our God. He is our help. He's our present help in times of darkness and trouble. And we look to you, O God, for you're worthy. All this earth will pass away and you will still be worthy. And just gaze upon how God has been wonderful in your life. How he has turned things around. How he has guided you and protected you, provided for you. How he's filled you with his spirit how he sent his one and only son to take your place. How wonderful is that? God, you're so wonderful. You're so amazing. Thank you for never giving up on me. Thank you for always being faithful, no matter how unfaithful I may be. pray for all of those who are watching online, whether they're lonely, whether they're going through challenges. And I know COVID has spiked, God. We know that you are Lord over everything, but we're just asking for a divine touch upon our family members and those in our community and those watching who are struggling with COVID, struggling with disease, struggling with sickness and pain. God, you're the Prince of Peace. 
I pray that you would bring peace. And through this message today, that you would even bring healing to people's bodies because you are able, you're worthy, and you are powerful enough. And so if it be in your perfect will, God, even as people are watching and listening, that you would heal them and show them your amazing, unconditional love for them. You are king over COVID. You are king over our finances. You are king over our government. You are king over all, and we look to you, God. I pray uh, just a special blessing over Brent Smith, his family, all those impacted by Tia's passing. We just ask that you'd continue to comfort the family in ways that cannot be measured. I thank you so much that Tia is in the fullness of your presence, worshiping you with no pain, no cancer, no sorrow, no sin, no hindrances, no tears, fully alive, fully alive. She's not a was, she's an is. She is in the presence of the almighty father. Man, I'm jealous. But my time will come and so will yours. Will we be ready? Will we be ready to embrace the Holy Savior? In Jesus' name, God, thank you. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome, everybody. If you're visiting, my name's Phil Nelson. I'm the lead pastor here. If you're watching online, we love you. We absolutely love you. And in light of um, just flu season, in light of COVID spiking in our area, we're just asking everyone to be sensitive and serve others. If you're going to be in close contact with people, just, think, just serve them by wearing a mask. It's not going to hurt you. Um, and so we're not enforcing anything here. Uh, we, we want you to be free to worship as you wish. Um, but if you're going to connect and fellowship with people, especially in light of the big spike in our community, just be, be careful. Can we all do that? Good. I'm trusting that was a yes. <laughs> you know, I really think that we take light for granted. I know for me, every Sunday, I take these lights for granted. They're an annoyance sometimes. They blind me. I can't see you guys. But when they're all off and I can't see anything, I really wish we'd have light. <laughs> you know, at Christmas time, very few people have their Christmas decorations on all day long. Only the crazy ones, like Chevy Chase, right? Why? It's not just to save electricity. It's because you can't, you can't experience the fullness and the effective uh, uh, design that lights were created for. At nighttime, you see the, uh, the elegance. You see the glimmer. You, you, you see the flicker of lights and you see all the different details. But you need darkness in order for the light to shine. Any 
any hunters out here, men and women, I know this community, oh, there's more than three out here. Or maybe they're, maybe they're out in the stand already. I don't know. But uh, I picked up hunting about four years ago, and I love it. And I'll tell you why I love it. Yes, I love to get a deer. I, I love that. I put meat in the freezer, and, and it's wonderful. But the first time I ever was in a deer stand, I was literally, I was speechless. You take the light for granted. And when you're sitting 20 feet up in a tree, and you can't even see a foot in front of you. It is completely pitch black. And then all of a sudden, there's just this little ray of light that starts just peeking through. And within 30 minutes, it is fully lit. You can see all around you. And then all of a sudden, when there's light, life starts to stir. And the things that you're looking for start to come out of the woods, out of the dark, into the light. And I really think we take for granted the light that Jesus came to bring the first Christmas. We get so comfortable. And believe it or not, I believe that God's blessing to us it's the darkness that we see around us. Because the design for darkness is not to consume us, but to allow the light of Christ to shine out of us and expose the darkness. What darkness are you facing right now? Have you ever thought that the light of Christ wants to shine and pierce through in a way that you could not experience and see if you weren't in darkness? Travel back, oh, thousands of years ago, way before Christ was ever born. The Israelites experienced bondage and darkness like I believe we will never experience on this earth. They went through being destroyed and ransacked in, their, uh, in Israel time and time again. Their temple was destroyed. The temple was where God's presence was, not inside of them. Because of sin, there was not a sacrifice that could cover the price of sin yet. And they were walking in darkness. They were, they were uh, raised up on the teachings uh, of the Torah of Moses and Abraham. They knew the promises of God that God would send a deliverer to release them from the bondage and the darkness but after hundreds of years of just hearing the stories but never seeing light, a glimmer of hope can cause us to become very weary, doubtful, discouraged, depressed, anxious, filled with worry, filled with despair. That's exactly what the Israelites were going through. They went through bondage, brutality, slavery that we could not even imagine. And so these scriptures in Isaiah, Isaiah was a prophet hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born. And guess what? God, through his inspired power, gave Isaiah this vision and this word about the soon coming deliverer. 
But here's our lesson here with the Israelites is in order to truly see the light that is coming from heaven, they had to be so immersed in the darkness of despair. And may I say this, even in the darkness of the despair and sin and wretchedness in their hearts, many still missed the light of the world. He came, the light was there, but they missed it because they weren't willing to see the light. Did you ever notice all around us, um, many of you have uh, disconnected from social media because of this, Um, but it's just our culture right now. And I'm not saying that it's even a bad thing necessarily, but do you realize how our human culture, our American culture, thrives on being consumed with information to answer the why. Again, it's not a bad thing. All businesses thrive on it. Churches, organizations need to know the why. They need to know the why we're doing what we're doing. Why COVID, you know, in March when this all came out and some of the mandates hit, we were all confused because we didn't know hardly anyone who had COVID. Sure, numbers may have been askewed and everything like that, but COVID still was real, but we didn't experience it in our community necessarily. Many knew Dr. Manzer, praise God, he's completely healed and whole, but we didn't experience the spike until just a month ago. Now, every single person knows at least one person who has COVID or had COVID. And we want to know why. We want to know what this is and how, how this virus affects us. And so many people are on the why masks work and why the masks don't work. And now we have division all over the place. It's because we're consumed with the why. And again, that's something I believe God wired us with is to know the why, to seek it out to have a vision, to know God's vision for our lives because without vision, we perish. But it's what we consume ourselves with to answer the why is what's most important. We immerse ourselves in information and media and news and podcasts to answer the why we are having such a complete darkness over our government and this 2020 election. We're we're being consumed by it. So many of you have told me, I'm done. I can't watch it anymore. It consumes me. And honestly, I don't even know if we have, we don't know what the answers are. The truth seems to be hidden. Everyone's lying. Everyone doesn't know the truth but yet we're so consumed with knowing the why. And when something that impacts us or a family member or a loved one in a negative way, something happens, someone gets cancer, someone has a a sickness that just falls upon them. We lose someone we love so dearly. We lose our job. We don't understand why our kids uh, experience uh, negative situations. We, we, we wonder why things happen to us. We want to know the why so that we can seek out justice and make it right. The why is so important. But may I say this, as a Christian, as a believer, 
the most important why that we need to ground our lives on and to seek out for ourselves is the why did Jesus come anyways? If you profess to be a follower of Christ, do you know for yourself, do you live out of the vision and the mission or the purpose that Jesus came as a baby for you? Do you understand the implications and the repercussions of what that means for you? How does it impact your life today? Sadly, so many Christians can't answer that. And they're really not desiring to know the answers. That's very sad. So sometimes it's through the darkness in our lives that really get us to a place where we hit rock bottom to where we start to seek the true light and the answers of why Jesus came and what that means for us. In light of Christmas, I'd like to lead us uh, in uh, Isaiah 9. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Isaiah 9. We're gonna read verse two and then we're gonna skip ahead to verse six and seven. But again, this is a prophecy declared hundreds of years before Jesus. Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people who walk in, could you say that word for me? Darkness. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Isaiah's writing this in a time of deep darkness, despair, bondage. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You see, to really take advantage of the light that God gives us, we need to understand what darkness looks and feels like so we can appreciate the light of God. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 says, here's the light. Here's our answer. Here's our hope. Listen up. For a child is born to us. This is the New Living Translation, a little different than what some of you are used to, and that's okay. For a child is born to us, a son is given. The government will rest upon his shoulders. Aren't you thankful that he is over all government? All government. All government, past, present, and future. His kingdom shall reign forevermore. Hallelujah, hallelujah, right? The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor. The almighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. You see, it's only when you are faced with dark situations. It's only when you are in darkness, when you really understand your need, your desperate need for a wonderful counselor. When you don't know which way to turn and life leads you to to a place of emptiness and despair. You need a counselor. You need guidance, you need wisdom. And Jesus came to be that wonderful counselor in light of our darkness. 
We don't need God's mighty power when we're on the mountaintop and everything is bright and full of daisies and everything is just a dream. We need his mighty power when we are faced with our weakness, our inability to make things work. We need a father when we need comfort, protection, provision, and wisdom. Usually it's in the dark times when you're without, when you long for that daddy figure to come sweeping in, to pick you up and say, daddy's got this. You don't have to fight this battle anymore. Daddy's got this. And friends, there's nothing like the desperate thirst for peace when there's chaos hovering and there's storms that you're facing in your life. You see, Jesus, this was his name. These were names that were first associated with Jesus. And the disciples experienced that. When they were in the boat and they were faced with death, their boat was literally moments away from flipping and the waves sucking them down under and drowning them. And before it was too late, they remembered that the one who calls himself the Prince of Peace was sleeping in the boat. And they woke him up and he says, where's your faith? Do you not know who I am? And then he showed them. And at the whisper of his voice and the movement of his hands, the waves and the wind ceased to a silent night where all was calm and all was bright. You see, Jesus, in order to calm the storms and to shine his light in your darkness, we need to welcome him into the middle of our storm. He's not asleep. But sometimes we need to wake ourselves up to say, oh, the Prince of Peace lives inside of me. I need his light. So Jesus, light of the world, come and pierce through this darkness. We need to invite him and open the door like Daniel shared last week. So the question I think we all are asking this Christmas is why the darkness? Why the chaos? Why the separation from family? So many families aren't gonna get together this Christmas physically. And if you're a parent, that kills you. And I know, and I'm, I'm very sorry about that. But I want us to find the light of his presence in the midst of our darkness because I'm not trying to sound discouraging, but friends, we know that the Bible tells us that ever since Jesus ascended into the heavens and sent the disciples to go to the upper room to be filled with the Holy Spirit and then to change the tra trajectory of history by building the church of Jesus Christ. Ever since Jesus left this earth, 
to go sit on the right hand of the Father in his throne, we have been in the end times. Oh no, it's the end times. Yes, it has been since Acts 1. But we're getting closer to the end of the end times. We don't know when that is. It could be another thousand years. Why? Because a thousand days is like a, a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. He's not on our timetable. It could be a day. It could be today. The signs are in place. Now, we as Christians need to really contemplate, are we living out the light of Christ? You can't live out the light if it's not in you. If you just are hiding it with all your daily fears and worries and schedules and answers and convictions, you're quenching that light. And so before we take, we're gonna take communion today. We have prepackaged communion. The bread tastes absolutely nasty, but that's what we're gonna do. It's the safest, most sanitary way to take communion right now. But before we do that, I really want us to understand and appreciate the light that God sent through his son, Jesus. And we cannot appreciate it and see the effective nature and the awe and the majesty of it until we rest in our darkness. We need to understand why Jesus came. So many of us, if we were asked, we'd give the Sunday school answer, Jesus came as a baby to save the world from sin. Sure, and that's a great answer. That's what we should teach our kids in saying, right? But why did he come for you? Do you really understand? Has it captured you to understand the why just like everything, all the current world events consume you with understanding why things are happening? Why schools are closed? We want to know. Do we really know for ourselves why the wonderful counsel, almighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace came for you? Because if you understand that and you get a glimpse of it, it will change your life and it will change the way you approach Christmas and it will change the way you respond to darkness. So let's look at the why. Why did Jesus come as a baby? By the way, I just wanna let you know that Jesus Hopefully I didn't say it in this service. Correct me if I did. Maybe it was the first. Jesus is the only baby, the only baby that made the choice to be born. You did not make a choice to come in this world. Your mommy and daddy did. You may be an accident, but your mommy and daddy still had control over that. My, I say that because my wife was an oops. I'm so thankful she was an oops. Jesus was the only one that chose to be born. He left his throne in heaven to come do what we could never do. And that was live a sinless life and become that sacrificial lamb that takes away the sins of the world. So he came for this 
reason. This is the why, to seek and save the lost. The lost is that which is in darkness and the seeker comes with a flashlight. You know what Jesus's flashlight was? The kingdom of God. He brought the kingdom of God. He says, I am the light of the world. Those who follow me will not live in darkness. He's the answer. He is the why. And so now we need to know the what, the purpose. What is the purpose? Well, to bring life and light from the kingdom of God. To bring life and light. I am the light of the world. Just like I said, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. And when darkness comes, if you're following me, the light will expose the darkness. Instead of panicking and responding in fear and anxiety and irritability, when darkness comes, we should be to the point where we say, okay, where's God's light in this? What does God want to do? How does God want to shine his light in this darkness? Yet we run away like with, the, with our tails between our legs and our heads down and we just run and hover and hide. That's exactly what the darkness wants to do. So Jesus came to seek and save the lost and his purpose was to bring life to all of those dead in sin and to bring light to a dark and dying world. He is our answer. Do you know that? Do you understand that? Have you consumed yourself and been able to accept it and embrace it for your life? The last point in the why and the purpose is the how. Well, then how did Jesus do it? He came as a baby. Why didn't he just come as a man and, and do what he needed to do? Why didn't he just command the angels to come down and take care of the sin problem? He could have, but he knew that that wasn't going to work. How did he seek and save that which is lost? Do you know how he sought and saved you? I hope you do. It's the gospel. There's three things he did. He redeemed you, he made you new, and he brought you into a heavenly, eternal relationship with Father God. He redeemed you. That means he bought you with a price. This Christmas, I want you to write down this phrase somewhere. Jesus was born to die for me. He was born to die. What great birth celebration, right? He was born for the purpose of dying. He knew that all his life. That's why he said, for the joy set before him, he took on the cross. Well, what was that joy? It was buying you back by covering for your sin to make you holy so then he could bring you back to the Father God, into the family of God, to be a daughter and a son of the Most High God. That's what Jesus did. And because of his death on the cross and paying your penalty, now, now since you are cleansed 
and made right with God, now you can be filled with new life. Spiritually, you are dead to sin, but now because of Christ, you can be alive and new, born again with a future hope to one day be in the fullness of Jesus Christ like Tia is right now. And any of your loved ones that had a relationship with Jesus Christ and passed from this life into the next, they are worshiping in the light and the fullness of Jesus. So he redeemed us. He gave us new life. And then he brings us into a relationship through the power of the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit. So how does this work in our life of abiding in God so that his light can pierce through our darkness? You see, Jesus says, you must abide in me. You must remain in my light. Because apart from my light, you can do nothing. Apart from his light, you're just sitting in a deer stand in darkness waiting for the light and it never comes. You have to abide in Jesus. And yes, this pandemic is real. Yes, we're losing loved ones. Yes, thousands upon thousands of people have died from this virus and other viruses. We have murder all over the place. Car accidents, people dying way too young miscarriages and stillborns and all this chaos and darkness. But God is faithful and he's sovereign and he's in control. And in every dark circumstance, he wants to bring the light of his presence. Are you looking for it? Are you waiting for it? And so as the band comes up, I want to lead us in a time of communion. And I want to do it a little differently. Um, we have some people in a moment. Two masked men coming through. So uh, they're, they're good guys. Um, but uh, they're going to pass out communion elements. They're prepackaged. Just grab one. But hold on to it, please. Don't take it yet. We're going to take it together. As it passes, please take it, but then engage because I, I, really, I really sense that this is where God wants us. And we all need to hear this because I think we take communion for granted. Do you know what communion is? Do you know why Jesus instituted communion? Because it's our flashlight, y'all. It's your flashlight. In the darkest of times, it's your flashlight to shine the light and the truth of what God has done for you. When's the last time you've turned that flashlight on? His word is a light and a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. A relationship with him, our worship is a light. But guys, communion is a light. And I'm gonna guide you through that of how it can light your life up. And when the light of communion comes, darkness has no place. Darkness flees. So we're gonna do three things in communion. Number one is we remember. Remember. 
We look back, we remember, we shine our light through that darkness and remember what God did to make a way for us. When Jesus was born, get this, when Jesus was born that very first Christmas, did you know that midnight actually became midday (laughs) because of the light that filled the heavens with the glory of God and all of the angels? Midnight became midday midday but when Jesus died on the cross midday became midnight because of the darkness that was placed on Jesus we remember that it cost Jesus his life to save us number two is we declare Through communion, we are saying that the light of the world has come and the light of the world lives in us. Thank you, Zeke. We declare it. In 1 Corinthians, it says, for as often as you take communion, for as often as you flash your flashlight on, you are declaring the Lord's death until he returns. So we remember, we also make a statement by turning on our flashlights of what he's done, but then we live out the light. We live from the power of the cross. Friends, are you sick today? Are you weary? Are you in pain? Are you going through a loss? Because the finished work of Christ paid for everything. It doesn't mean that we don't go through it because we live in a fallen, broken world tainted with sin. But he says he will never leave us or forsake us. When we take the power of these elements, they're just elements, they're not his flesh and his blood. It reminds us and we declare it. But something holy, something powerful happens when we understand what we're doing. Because if we truly believe that Jesus has all authority over heaven and earth, and we truly believe that he died not only for our sins, but to give us healing and wholeness, then we believe that his blood and his sacrifice is enough. I want us to look before we take the elements. This has rocked my world, and I pray that it will literally leave you speechless not because of what I say, but because of the power in the symbolism that's in here. If you've ever taken communion or Passover with any Messianic Jews or uh, a Jewish family, they will have the real stuff. It's called matzah bread. Have you ever had matzah bread? It's bland, but it's it's for a purpose. This is what they made when they were escaping in Egypt, the Israelites, from the power of Pharaoh. They didn't have time to put flour in the, or excuse me, yeast in the dough. And the Lord says, I'm going to pass through and I'm going to bring death on the first child of every home. However, take a sacrificial lamb, one that's spotless and blameless and innocent. Properly sacrifice it. Take the blood of the lamb and put it over the doorpost of every home. 
not just the top. They also put it on the side and the other side. Do you know what that made? A cross was a foreshadow of the sacrificial lamb to come. But it didn't stop there. What did they do with the lamb that they sacrificed? They didn't just throw it away. God said, eat that lamb. Roast it and eat it as your meal to give you strength for the journey ahead. What was the journey? It was escaping from Pharaoh's armies through the Red Sea into the promised land. Do you know that when they escaped after the Passover and after death passed over? Do you know? The Bible says that not a single one of the Israelites were feeble or sick. Not a single one. They had elderly, 90, 100 years old people who were freed that all made it to the promised land. They were all whole because they consumed the Passover. And I believe we can be reminded of our wholeness and what God did on the cross. There's three things to this matzah bread that is absolutely amazing. Number one, do you notice the perforation in the cracker? There's stripes in the cracker. Each matzah bread literally cooked properly has stripes in it. Do you know also there's holes that were pierced? Each piece of matzah bread is pierced with holes. You also see the, the, burn, uh, the burn marks. Toasted marks. Yeah. Do you know all three of those are a heavenly gift to us to remind us of what Christ did for us? If you don't realize that, take a look at this. His stripes that he bore on his back. Let's show that, Lord. The stripe. In 1 Peter, it actually says, by his stripe, you are healed. Why singular? Well, if you look at the Greek definition of that word, it actually means stripe, not, not plural. Why? Do you realize that Jesus was beaten beyond recognition? The Romans scorched him to where there was not a single sliver of skin on his back. There were no stripes. There was one stripe. And that scourging he took on his back was being the Passover lamb to save us from death. That we don't need his flesh, but as we consume these elements, we are consuming the presence of Jesus and the finished work of the cross. Number two, he was pierced. He was pierced for our sins. The crown of thorns to mock him was forced and thrusted into his brow where blood began to flow. He bore uh, the nails in his hands and his feet to hold him to the cross. And he was pierced after he took his last breath where blood and water flowed. Blood had to be shed for the forgiveness of sins. And that's why he did it. And lastly, how was Jesus burnt? Well, the burn marks on that matzah bread represent the fire of God's wrath and judgment because of sin. And it was not placed on you or me. It was placed on Jesus, who was born that Christmas morning. It was placed on our wonderful counselor. Your sin and our darkness and God's wrath was placed 
on the Almighty Father, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace for you. That's the power that brings us life. It saves us from our sin. It cleanses us. It makes us new. And it restores us to the Father. So now let's peel that cellophane layer. Take this bread. By the way, if you're watching online, real quick, go grab a cracker. Go grab some bread. Grab some wine, uh, juice, whatever you have. Grape jelly works too. Yeah. It's a little tricky to get that cellophane off. Can you hold this up in front of you? Now, I want you to imagine that there's a shadow of a cross on there. And he says, my body was striped, pierced, brutally killed because the wrath of God on your sin. And I came, I was born to die in your place so that you would have life. Let's receive that life as we take the bread. Jesus' blood was poured out. He told his disciples, I must pour out my blood for the cleansing and the forgiveness of all sin. As we take May we remember that there is such power in Jesus' blood to save us from all of our failures, sinful ways, and disobeying God. And it saves us. The power of the blood of Jesus cleanses us. His body heals us and makes us whole. Let's take the cup and remember. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.